right, guys. Between Sissy Blue and Executions, there is a lot to get to this week. Welcome to episode two of No Punts Allowed with Paige and Kramer. Adam, what a weekend of college football. First and foremost. Yep. Get us kicked off. In the first episode, uh, I wasn't sure how the can crack would sound. It sounded great. However... Master beer reveal coming at the end. Now, you did ask me a question that I've uh, deflected completely from. What a weekend. Like, I was exhausted by Monday night with that shitty football game, which was also fun but bad. (laughs) I was mentally exhausted. And you know when they're showing the dogs in the stands like they were for Ole Miss, Louisiana? Like, everybody has had enough. But prior to that, it was wonderful. It felt so good. Fans, like, ratings, All of it felt very, very normal. We had some weirdness, which we both love, obviously, when it comes to college football. And it it just felt right. Some great games, some ugly games, some all the things you want in weekend uh, of college football. Yeah, we kicked off with um, Ohio State and Minnesota and immediately were met with the classic college football overreaction of, oh, my gosh, Ohio State is overrated. Obviously, that wasn't the case after second half of that football game. But what were your main takeaways from that Ohio State team, who I'm very high on and obviously picked to win the national championship? But what did you think of their quarterback and that game as a whole? Yeah, Ryan Day looked happy to be challenged afterwards. Like he he always seems a bit smiley, but he was kind of glowing. And I think when you get pushed a little bit, that's a good thing. I thought two things. A, those wideouts are ridiculous. Uh, I could watch Chris Olave like dance around the sideline. And, yeah. and I mean, that was beautiful. And I thought it was neat to have a quarterback and a coach just kind of calmly go through the struggles of his first start. And then I thought CJ Stroud looked great. Honestly, I thought in the second half he played smooth. It helps to have the best combination of wide receivers in the country. Uh, to me, Paige, honestly, my biggest takeaway isn't the quarterback or the wideouts. It's that that defensive backfield is probably – Still going to be an issue again. Like, I I think to me, it's I think the quarterback's going to be fine. I think Ohio State's going to be fine. It's outside of a defensive line that's really good. We saw Minnesota, which doesn't have a ton of playmakers, actually have some success. And I think that's one thing to watch moving forward, especially obviously this week as they, they play Oregon. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree with you in the sense that I was so glad that I know there were a lot of Twitter coaches that really were like, okay, they need to make a change in quarterback. They need to, like, get this figured out. And it's like, you know what? I loved that they let him, like, do his thing. He seemed very poised. That's the thing I noticed, too, is that sometimes you can tell by, like, body language that guys are, are, you know, not off to a great start and are letting the moment, like, get to them a little. And I felt like CJ seemed like he was good. He was like, okay, this is part of it. And like Ryan Day said, you have to let your guy do their thing. Like, we're going to get through this. We're not going to make rash decisions on that. And the other part of it that I took away from the game was like, okay, maybe we don't need their quarterback to be as good when you have a guy like Mayan Williams running the ball. Like, there's a lot of things that, like, maybe we don't need the quarterback. Maybe we are okay with, like, a decent quarterback. I think that C.J. Stroud is going to be a lot more than that. But I was highly impressed, and I know that a lot of people, like, saw a lot of flaws early on. But I think that was just part of it. And I have to say, going through week one, like, I feel like everybody looked like they were beatable, except for one yes. team, which we'll obviously get to later. But yes. everyone seemed a little rusty and a little overrated this week for sure. A team that might have been underrated, though, the guys in Sissy Blue, like I mentioned before, is UCLA. 
And Chip Kelly seems to have all of a sudden flipped a switch and now he cares again. Because for a while we were like, where's Chip Kelly? What's going on? Why is he not doing it? Visor Chip Kelly is back and clearly that team is better than we all anticipated. I'm sure there were a few people in the media that expected them to win this game. But I think the... This LSU team is in some one, some big trouble. And yes. two, I cannot believe that UCLA is like, I'm looking at them going, OK, can they win the Pac-12? Because I think it's realistic. I, I do, too. No. So so I struggle with these games. When we watched LSU Mississippi State to start last year. Mississippi State won that. We said, oh, my God, Mississippi State might be good. LSU's bad. And, and they're both mm-hmm. bad. Now, I don't think that's the case here. UCLA seems legit. What actually jumps off first and foremost from like a macro level is UCLA has you rarely are allowed to develop and progress slowly in this sport. You're you're either good or you're not. And UCLA Mm -hmm. has been bad and then less bad. And last year is like, hey, they're kind of fun. But but now it's like they seem legitimate and they're balanced. They have a quarterback. They have an offense. They have a defense that looks pretty good. I just love the fact that Chip Kelly who was this flash and flare and took over the sport, like became kind of a joke, an afterthought. I mean, honestly, mm-hmm. I don't know other way to put it. And now all of a sudden we're looking at this team, which should make some noise. Like I'm with you. Like there's no reason. The Pac-12 had an awful week, by the way. Good God. It was a disaster as a whole. Really, really hey, bad. A certain team covered. from Arizona covered. Yes, they so did. That's cover. all that really matters. Covered. They made us money. But as a whole, when you look at Washington, I mean, USC was fine, but there was a lot of blah. I mean, Cal, who I bet sucked. Oh, that sucked. (laughs) That really hurt my locks of the week. So I think in general, though, they're going to be a really fun team to watch. But this is the team we have to figure out, right? This is where this is where college football assessment is fun. We have a very small sample size. We have a little bit more with UCLA than we have with just about every other team because they played two games. And how can you not like what you see? It's a cool story. Yeah, no, I love it. And I I tweeted and I maybe Chip reads tweets. I was like, did anyone else just like forget that Chip Kelly was a college football coach? Because we were so used to Oregon. And like you said, the like flash and the excitement of it. And now he sort of shifted that. I think he thought that he could do the exact same thing at UCLA and it's completely shifted. And I'm glad that they're they're running on like a well-oiled machine, it looks like. Yes. Um, LSU. OK, so I don't want to jump the gun and be like, oh, no, Coach O should be fired, everything is a mess, that was a fluke that he got a a once-in-a-generation talent, he had Joe Brady in there. He did bring in a new offensive coordinator that worked with Joe Brady and is trying to spark some of that Joe Brady magic and Jake Peets, but what... What's your takeaway from the LSU play? Because my thing is, is that, okay, in the SEC, winning a national championship does not buy you time. I think a guy named Gene Chizik would love a word. I am very, very concerned that LSU fans are going to flip out if this does not turn around quick. What do you think they sort of need to do? And should they be worried that this isn't going to turn around? Okay, well, here's what they have facing them, right? They've got a couple of games that they're going to walk over, and then you've got Auburn, you play at Kentucky, who I I thought actually is really interesting, and I'm really excited to watch them against Missouri because it looks like they may have an offense. You play Florida, you play at Ole Miss, who I can't wait to talk about in a bit. You played at Alabama, you play Arkansas. You can lose a lot of those games. And you, by the way, you close with Texas A&M. The schedule stinks. I mean, the schedule stinks. And Coach O is an interesting case. They are trying to do – 
whatever Joe Burrow, Joe, Brady vibe, like they will cast a spell. They will clone <laughs> Brady. They, like, will, they, whatever they will go they down do, on Bourbon Street and yes. find a voodoo witch and, to, and, to figure this out. And, I, and it's kind of funny because Nick Saban with Bill O'Brien's like, no, you're not changing anything. Just run this <laughs> offense and, and do your little oracles. And they did. And oh, by the way, it worked. <laughs> So I, I do worry about LSU. I, I, I think clearly a talented team. They didn't play bad. They had to travel cross country. They've obviously had some other circumstances too. Yes. That no question impacted them. But mm-hmm. the vibe with Orgeron has always been strange, even after a national championship. And I think that's something that when you're looking for, and we shouldn't really be talking about job security, but what the hell? What, that's what you do. <laughs> yeah. General program comfort with the scheduling and teams getting better around them. I think it's going to be a challenge. Yeah. And I think like if you're a coach in the SEC anywhere, the expectation is very high. And when the bar yeah. is set at national championship, Joe Brady, Joe Burrow level stuff. And I know the other knock on him is really that like, OK, really the important part for him is to surround himself with good coordinators and good coaches and things like that. And it's not that he's not doing that. It just takes a lot more than just that to make what they got in, in, I guess it was 2020, the beginning of 2020 when they won our last trip before COVID. I'll never forget that. Depressing. What a time. It's <laughs> yeah, yes. sad to think about. No, but it, it is hard. I mean, in general, it shows how difficult all of this is. They found lightning in a bottle. They had great players. They had a transcendent quarterback and a coordinator that they just found it, but keeping it, I, I can't help but transition. Like it makes what Alabama does year over year that much more ridiculous, quite honestly. Yeah. I think um, one of the other teams that has really high expectations and people weren't doubting like they were Alabama, which is kind of funny, was Oklahoma. I think a lot of the talk this year was, okay, this is finally the year they have a defense to be able to win in the playoff and to to win a national championship. They have a Heisman favorite in, in Spencer Rattler. And they hosted a a good Tulane team, and um, that game was actually not supposed to be there, but it was at home, and it seemed a little shaky. Um, I just also would really appreciate if we could just stop using the QB1 thing as a reason to criticize Spencer Rattler. Um, He was in high school then. I'm, like, so over that being the the issue that people have with him. How about let's focus on his play now, which has not been great, and his decision-making was what was most concerning. I think, you know, he we know he has the capability to be a a great quarterback, but the decision-making was very questionable for me. I think it's a little too early to be like, we should be really worried about Oklahoma, but... I don't know. Do you get a vibe that they're going to be able to turn this around? And Lincoln seemed calm after it, and I, I, but I don't know if this is necessarily going to go the way we all thought it was with that defense. Yeah, Tulane's pretty good. Like, I don't want to mm-hmm. overrate Tulane, but like that's, yeah. that's a team I bet on a lot last year for whatever reason, <laughs> and a team that I'm I'm constantly like just for whatever reason involved in gambling wise. But Rattler's decision making is the stuff that's really interesting because if you watch. 15 minutes of football, he looks like the best player in college football. Like he, the way the ball comes out of his hand, confidence, mm-hmm. like he gets rolling. But this is what happened last year. It's how they lost to Kansas State, is that it just seems to spiral and a mistake becomes two. And, you know, again, the wise Heisman from a betting standpoint is kind of wide open now after a, a really lackluster start. Now he got better. He limited the mistakes. I still think he's really good. But I think if you're an Oklahoma fan, you are concerned. How could you not be? Like, this is some of what you saw last year. They're still uber talented. They play in a conference and teams that you can probably still make these mistakes and be good. But if you're an Oklahoma fan, like, enough of that shit. You Mm want to win a playoff game. And the team that we saw 
compared to the other teams that we saw are not, that's not going to win a playoff game. Right. And that's, yeah. that's an unreasonable, maybe an unreasonable expectation, but how could it not be? Oklahoma should be in the playoff given who they're competing against. And if I'm an Oklahoma fan and I watch what Texas did and I'm, I, you know what I mean? And yes. I'm going to watch Iowa state against Iowa this week. I'm like, okay, like maybe this won't be the cakewalk we thought. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree, especially like having the rivalry aspect of it, seeing Texas play this week and it, you know, being a pretty solid start to the Sark era. I would be concerned on that front because that is the I mean, the only way that you're getting in the playoff, especially with uh, the Georgia level of play and Alabama, like the only way you're really getting into the playoff is if you win out like there. There is no room for air this year. And I think there are other teams that obviously like like a Clemson who really aren't in control. Like Oklahoma is really not in control. All they can control is winning out and winning by a lot of points. And other than that, like you that you got to pray because these two, I mean, honestly, watching Oklahoma, I was like fearing for them, even the thought of them having to play Georgia like that, like that off. I was like, Oh, like I can't imagine how difficult that would be. So I'm just hoping that this offense gets a little bit better and their defense looks a little stronger. Like you said, Tulane's not a terrible team. So I don't think it was like a, Oh my gosh, we should be really concerned about the defense, but I do think it's not as solid as they sort of thought it was going to be. It's week one. We tend to we tend to overreact. We we do. We can't help but overreact. We can't. But in this, but in this instance, I think you're properly properly reacting. reacting. Easy for me to say. Mm-hmm. Saying what is it going to be now? Let me tell you the the most emotions that I got from this week was watching Penn State, Wisconsin, and jump around. My family is in town. They are from mm-hmm. Wisconsin, and we're sitting <laughs> by. They went to Wisconsin, right? And we're sitting we're sitting by. And we're just watching this. And they're not necessarily huge college football people. I got chills, right? I'm like, you know, and I think they're kind of probably looking at me like, geez, look at this weirdo, how into this he is. But I, that was in a a weekend of fan moments, the game itself, we could talk about too, seeing that stadium erupt. And we, you know, I've been to that stadium. I've seen that in person a handful of times. It is cool. The stadium literally starts to sway. Just the general awe that like CFB Twitter had during that was fabulous like that is what we miss and I'm so happy it's back yeah it was a collective wow this moment is amazing because I think last year a lot of the the talk around college football was should there be games should there be fans how many fans all of this and it was a really really like not fun conversation to have and so I'm glad that this got to be that moment there were tears shed in my household over that moment because it was just Fox did an amazing job just letting you like listen to it and like really feel it and even as just like college football junkies I feel like you like you know about all these traditions and like that's just something that like how exciting for those kids who are were freshmen last year and didn't get to experience that and now are in this stadium and get to experience that moment. It was incredible, but also just what a fun game. Like I know oh, yeah. some people were like, this is so boring. I'm like, no, 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 this is excellent Great. football. Excellent football. And also sort of surprising in, I didn't expect Penn State to be as solid as they are. Their offense, obviously a little shaky, but I do think they're implementing a new offense. And so it's going to take some time. But I think this is a really good Penn State team that we should be paying attention to a little bit more than we were preseason. I am pissed. I was going to put them in my locks last week, and I didn't have the guts to do it. Um, I did bet them uh, okay. day of, which was good. But, I, yeah, that was a imperfect, perfectly imperfect football game. That was, yes. that was classic Big Ten. Big Ten gets shit on all the time for whatever it does. That's, <laughs> that's fine. I get it. Big Ten country, I, I get it. But, like, those, I think both those teams are decent. I thought um, yeah. 
What we saw from Mertz was a little concerning, quite honestly. Like that Wisconsin team's got some work to do. But if you're Penn State, I mean, you think about how their season started last year. They lose that heartbreaker oh, to gosh. Indiana. They started, what, 0-5? To bounce back with a huge win, huge, huge mm-hmm. win is a big deal. I still don't know how good they are. And I could say that about a lot of the Big Ten, quite honestly. We're going to find out about Iowa. Yeah. We're going to find out about a bunch of teams. I know that, you know, Nebraska still not probably very good. Illinois after beating <laughs> Nebraska, also very bad. But I think Penn State, it's a, you could see it on Franklin, too. Like, he knew the weight of a game like this. That's another guy. We mm-hmm. talk about Ed Orgeron, who's constantly has this back and forth in the message boards of, is he good enough or not? Yeah. That's, a, that's a big game. I mean, that's a really big game for them in terms of starting off in a conference spot on the road. Brutal, brutal position to begin your season. What a win. Yeah. I love um, you made a perfect point because the SEC slogan is it just means more. And the Big Ten should really be perfectly imperfect football because of the defense that's played Beautiful. in that conference. I, en- I enjoyed the game. And even when there were offensive plays, they were like, big plays they weren't just like quick short runs like it was like long balls and I was like this is fun this is new this is new in the Big Ten very exciting stuff I enjoyed the game and I thought it was great a lot of people saying they um liked watching Clemson Clemson and Georgia more but I actually preferred the Big Ten game over that matchup with the ACC and the SEC I know that's going to be a hot take but I just felt it was a more fun game than than Clemson Georgia. Clemson Georgia was just cringing every five seconds um, because I felt so bad for DJ that his offensive line was not helping him. I felt sometimes his like um, receivers were not helping him. Those defenses looked amazing. Yes, it, but, it is. But that's yes. one of those games, right? Where like I liked it and and I thought it was great because I thought the defense was so overwhelming. And I know mm-hmm. both these teams can play offense. I think. And so I'm going to tip my hat. Well, maybe not. I know. I think I know they could play offense, but if they can't protect G, he didn't have a chance. DJ did not play yeah. well, but no, he did not. He did not have a chance. The, the, the Georgia front seven is like overwhelming. I know Alabama like stole the show, but that was overwhelming. I got to, I got to, the more I think about this though, Paige, like we know that game it was ugly. Clemson scheduled up. Kudos to them. Georgia scheduled up. I love these two teams for doing it. But Clemson, like, the more I think, Clemson might be screwed. Like They are look, screwed. Right? How – the rest of that schedule, where's the moment? The ACC championship game, right? Like, that's the moment that they're going to have a resume boost? Where else on there are they going to find one? I, I saw the AP poll come out, and they were ranked sixth. And I got to tell you, if I'm Clemson, I'm pissed. I know, I know – that the AP poll is not the college football playoff, but it's a decent indicator of how people are feeling about certain teams. And the performance that I watched between Georgia and specifically Georgia's offense, I understand the defenses were a big conversation, but to me, I'm still very concerned about that Georgia offense because they didn't score a touchdown. So that does concern me. And I think if you lose to the number two team now in the country, you should not be ranked six. Like they should have not fallen in the way that they did. And it also, like, if that's how the playoff rankings come out, like, what do you do? You have to beat everybody in the ACC by 50 to even have a case. And like I said 
earlier, like you just have to pray that, that you get in or someone loses in a different conference in that conference, like in the, whether it be the big 12 or the big 10 or the sec, like you have to, I like how the pac 12 is not even a thought. You yes. have to be concerned that that's the case. Like you have to be concerned that like you're no longer in control because you lost to this game, which I don't necessarily think is fair because it's week one and it's again, the number two team in the country. So if I'm a Clemson fan, I'm pretty pissed off that that's a position we're likely going to be in. And I mean, I, it just, to me, it, that just seems super unfair to put them in that spot. And I hope that, um, you know, DJ gets better and they can win by 50 points, but Oh my gosh, I would be so screwed. I will talk about a team that I think really benefits from this. I think a lot of teams really benefit from this. When you start to stack up resumes. Now, look, maybe teams in the ACC, will graduate into relevancy and all of a sudden not be terrible. But when you look down that schedule, um, I think it's There's I think nothing. it's really bad. One of the teams is Florida State, by the way, that is is was used to be a staple game for Clemson. We've seen we've mm. seen some bangers with those two. This yeah. year, who knows? Notre Dame, Florida State, I, I don't I don't even know where to begin. We have a lot to unpack. I have to start I'll start with Mackenzie Milton. That is awesome. I talked about yeah. chills for jump around. Like when you see somebody come back from that injury, I was excited. I was nervous. Um, I, I was anxious. I've never interviewed Mackenzie Milton. I mean, it's a story we should probably do at some point. Um, but but <laughs> our in all good friend Matt Hayes has talked to Mackenzie Milton before. Yes, so. and and what a story! But it was uncomfortable. Like it was everything. I was happy. I was nervous. All of these things to see him come in, I thought was really cool. Yeah, um, his mom in the stands, like, everyone was like, oh my gosh, imagine being his dad. Oh my gosh, imagine being his mom. Like, I physically can't because I'm already so attached to this story. Having, I remember where I was when I found out that he was hurt. I wasn't watching the game and someone who was working for me sent me a message and was like, whatever you do, one, don't watch the injury because I'm very squeamish. Two, oh my God, it's, it's bad. Paige, it's really bad. And I was like, this is the worst because talk about a guy we absolutely loved in college football. Yes. I mean, he was like universally well-liked and then to have something like this happen was just absolutely awful. And to hear all the things that like his family has gone through to get him back here was just a, your typical feels moment um, in college football. But the other part that I was really impressed by was just like, he hasn't missed a beat. Like he's still the Mackenzie Milton that he was like his decision-making yeah. in that like late game situations, like to not take a loss and to throw it away and to do all of those things. Like that stuff was just like second nature of him. It wasn't even a, a deal. He looked like a veteran. I mean, he is a veteran, but again, he hasn't been on the field in a while. So like those things can sometimes take time. And he was, he was ready to go when called upon. And I think, I mean, do you think that they start him now? I think they have to consider it. I mean, yeah. it was cool to see not just his teammates, but J J Travis and like all these people yes. rally around him. You had Gus Malzahn, you had Scott Frost. I mean, you have like all these all these people that knew him or, or have seen it that have also rallied yeah. around him. And yeah, I think you have to consider it. Why not? I mean, I thought um, great game, by the way, also had Florida State in the over. No big deal. That worked out well. Um, it's good betting week. Good betting week for me, by the way, which only means probably terrible things for this week. But the other thing we have to talk about is Brian Kelly making oh, no. a, a, an execution joke about his team. Now, <laughs> he's trying to reference a joke made many moons ago. Yes. Uh, he, di he did it poorly. Um, I thought and I don't think it was anyone really mad. Like, okay, are people so just mad at people being mad? 
Because I saw that everyone was asking that, and here's the thing. Initially, when he said it, there were a lot of people that didn't know that it was a quote, and they... People were like, uh, maybe you just don't say that about your team. You know what I mean? Because, like, today, if that was, like, a new quote today, probably not going to go over well in the Twitterverse. So I think once people realized quickly that that was a quote that he was trying to to use um, and it backfired a little. I mean, I when I heard it, I was like, what? what? And then I saw someone's tweet about how it was a quote, and I was like, oh, okay, well, he failed at it miserably. That, that, but also – yeah. But also, like, again, he wasn't happy with the execution, and rightfully so. Um, but it was it was very, very cringy to watch. And I, like, I actually am, like, a, a Brian Kelly lover. I am always, like, he doesn't get enough credit for the job he does. Um, I really like him as a guy and, and a coach. Like, but still, that is, that was so cringy. And maybe, I mean, and he, I guess, said after the game, do people really think that I was serious? Um, and it's like, yeah, you kind of have to go with people don't know what that reference was and it did not go over well, but it made for really great memes. Let's just put it that way. Us olds knew kind of what he was getting after, although he did a really terrible job of doing it. Um, yeah, I mean, you really can't say anything, uh, that's remotely controversial without it being a thing. So I kind of get that, but more importantly, like they had a quarterback, uh, it looks like they've got a fabulous safety. They've got a world-class tight end. Yes. Um, I bet the under win total for this team, and I don't know how to feel about them. Like, Notre Dame's a really weird team right now in my mind because they've got some crazy players. They've got a couple of, like, elite future NFL stars, and yet they just let a what looks like a still mediocre. I mean, like, Florida State was so odd offensively. It was like terrible, terrible, terrible 98-yard touchdown. Terrible, 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 like, breakthrough play. So I don't know what to make of Notre Dame. And I'm excited to see it, though, because that's a team that's got plenty of really fun games coming. Like that Cincinnati game is oh electric, gosh. electric. I am I'm really looking forward to that among a, a sea of other games they have. Well, and like you said, I do think that Notre Dame, like the Clemson situation, really does set up Notre Dame really well, because if they can get those quality wins, they abs- I don't care if you're a conference champion or not. Like those wins should outweigh your easy path to being a conference champion if you're Clemson. And I know I was saying I feel bad for Clemson and I'd be pissed now, but now I'm jumping off that bandwagon and hopping on the support of Notre Dame. We're all over the place today. But yeah, I was I was highly impressed with Cone. I thought he did a great job. Obviously the transfer from Wisconsin, which also people very much were like when that game started, everyone was like, Wow, aren't they glad they stuck with Graham Mertz? And then it was like, oh no, wait, maybe they should have gone with the other. Yes. And I'm like, do you guys forget that like that whole situation is not like a, hey, they chose one over the other. I know we've done it with, like, the the Joe Burrow at Ohio State and things like that. What a silly conversation. I think people forget that players are injured. There's a transfer portal. All the things. COVID happened. All of those things played into that that Wisconsin situation. Um, and I think after a couple of years, you sort of forget and then start to do the, the comparison thing. But I think he was very impressive um, and, and on a big stage, too. I, I think... Like if he plays like that and they clearly have some weapons, they could be really, really good. On the topic of not really good, Paige, the Alliance, um, your thoughts? Did did Oregon State Purdue knock you off your feet? I just like don't – well, like besides Clemson – so Clemson lost obviously – um, and UNC lost. We haven't really talked much about that, but that was sort of a 
shocking thing. I mean, maybe Virginia Tech is better than we thought, um, but still not a great thing, especially for Sam Howell, all of those things. Um, not great. And then the Pac-12 decided, actually, you know what? The Pac-12 North. Let's just blame it on the North, okay? Because losing to Montana, Washington losing to Montana, Washington Gross. State lost to Utah State. Gross. I mean, like, we're just not helping ourselves here. Like, the Big Ten did their part, and we're just really, really not helping ourselves. The ACC and the Pac-12 did not do anything to set themselves up for success, and I... It's almost like laughable now looking at all of the other teams, like the teams that are going to be moving to the SEC and teams that are going to be potentially joining the Big 12, like played well this weekend. Like it, it's just laughable. And I tweeted this too. Like I'm fine. If I make a joke about the Alliance, it's totally fine. But if someone else who's like from the SEC or another conference does, or the Big 12, I'm like, you may not make a joke about the Alliance. Okay, leave us alone. It's, we're, it's awesome. Don't kick us while we're down. Yeah, don't yeah. kick us while we're down. We know. Okay, we know it's bad. It's like when I uh, criticize my kids, but if somebody else does, I'm like, hey, buddy. Yes, exactly. I know they're being shitheads right now. Leave them out of this. Um, <laughs> That's an excellent way to put it. No, and then I watched Purdue versus Oregon State. You want, you want to talk about testing my family's resolve. Like, wow, <laughs> Jesus, sir, you have a problem. Um, and it, I thought it would be actually be a really fun game. It was not a fun game. It was a loser for me as well. But And I was thinking, like, this is what the Alliance – is this is what the alliance is this is what i've signed up for it's gambling fodder i don't know if it's much else it was one of the more painful and again it didn't help that i had the losing side on that i liked oregon state but that was what i got the vibe i got from the alliance and um not particularly pleasant it, it is now i got the opposite vibe from ole miss i have been wanting to talk to somebody about ole miss football for like three days um well days, here's, a, here's the thing you know how long I have been on the lane train, so I'm ready for this moment. Okay. So, in general, holy shit, they can't tackle. Uh, that's a problem. <laughs> but outside of that, they were aggressive. Uh, the defense was awesome. I think Louisville is really bad. That's like a caveat we probably should put in there. But Matt Corral looks like the number one pick in the draft. Like To me, if I'm a scout and we watched a lot of quarterback play, yeah, I watched was watched Spencer Rattler. Uh, I thought Sam Howell actually was okay. Um, to me, give me that dude. Like I'm getting Jacob Eason vibes, which is probably not a great comparison because he yeah. was not a like a. But like I watch him and I'm like, oh my god, he could run. He's six five. He just looks like he's going to be a star. I mean, he is a star, I guess. So Ole Miss to me, Paige, like. That's like the the team that is the most interesting team in all of college football, in my opinion, moving forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you honestly look at how everyone played collectively, I feel like Corral looked like probably the best player in college football. Again, he did play against a pretty bad team, so I, I it's it's hard to say, but if just objectively speaking, like that's what it looks like to me this weekend. And I mean, that was also like Props to the like the staff there for just like it wasn't like any missed beat with Lane Kiffin not being on the sideline. A little disappointed he didn't live tweet the game, but you yes. know you can't win them all and can't be perfect. Um, but cracked yeah, that, the jokes that, at halftime though he cracked a couple yeah. of jokes and I saw him afterwards on Scott Van Pelt and he cracked a few more jokes and um, he's done an amazing job. Like he's done an, an incredible job. 
in building that entire Elijah Moore, who was so good for them last year. Yeah. I was curious what that offense would look like without him. And it's like, okay, they're going to be fine. They've got some mm-hmm. dudes, right? And they didn't even run the ball that well. I, if I'm Alabama, I watch that. If I'm Nick Saban, I watch that game and I'm like, shit, right? Seriously. And we'll talk about Alabama in a sec, but mm-hmm. this is a team that pushed me last year and they did so with you and I playing defensive back. Right. Like that was like what it felt like watching Ole Miss. So now they actually look like they have a defense and it could be a real problem for them. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, if you're Alabama, you're you're looking at it and going, OK, we need to pay attention. But um, Alabama looked absolutely lights out. And I have to tell you, you know, it's bad when Alabama is kicker is solid. Like, you know, yes. that things are trending in a direction that is just not safe for the rest of college football when that is the case. Bryce Young looked amazing. His composure, just even giving himself, like, I mean, obviously credit to the offensive line, but even when things would collapse a little, he'd move a little and and give his guys some time to separate, and they can. That's the crazy part about it. He just looked so calm, cool, and collected. And I will say people are going to hate this comparison, but it actually gave me, like, I think it was second-year Trevor Lawrence vibes of, like, the composure of like even when things are breaking down, he's not going to kill you with his legs, but he's he's still going to make time for his guys to get open and do amazing things, and that was just unbelievable to watch. I wrote about it Saturday night at BR, and watching him, watching him escape the pocket and just kind of slow it down. Yeah, it was it was almost watching like a, a flag football game or something. Like it really looked like he just was in his own little depths of calmness. We did a story about him. We talked to his dad. We talked to coaches. We, mm-hmm. you know, he spent his COVID last year working out with like Juju Smith Schuster. And you talk to people that said, I don't care how tall he is. And there's, I don't think there's any way he's six feet. I think he's listed about the, at that at Alabama. Like, no way. Um, but we, we've talked to people, you and I, about this. We've worked, we did a big story on him before he was a big deal. And it was mm-hmm. people saying it's just a matter of when. I didn't think it would be now, though. Like, my, to yeah. me, the biggest shock, I knew Alabama would be good. That was overwhelming to me. I did not I did not think we would see that. I don't know if you felt differently. I no. I am in awe of what that offense was able to do without a lot of really great players that they had last year. I mean, I said on our first episode that like there's no chance that I'm betting against them because they and I think Something that they've been keeping an eye on is I do think people have in the media and just in general have been saying that this might be like a slight hiccup and they might have a hard time this year. And I think they heard it because a lot of the the hype was like, we don't like revamp, we reload or something. There was like some slogan that like everyone was saying. So I'm wondering if that was like the bulletin board material and they were going, look, we get that we lost all of these guys to the draft, but who cares next man up we're ready to go and we're gonna steamroll everybody um yeah I I'm nervous about my um national championship pick after seeing that because usually Alabama just gets better with time and they play good teams so it's it's going to be very very interesting but Bryce looked very comfortable in in his new situation being like the full-time guy um and yeah I mean I, I thought he handled it really well and it Saban looked like he was having fun. He was smiling. He was laughing. He put on the helmet. I mean, he looked like he was enjoying it, too. So you should be a little concerned when Nick's that loose. Oh, I bet you this week of practice sucked, though. I mean, when he when they have a game like this, that's usually when things are rough, rough at Alabama to take things down a peg. Uh, well, at least they're and, not getting executed. 
No, they are, they are not. They are not. They, uh, they, they, it won't be that bad. But the film session to move things along uh, will be hilariously bad. Now, Alabama, both our biggest takeaways. Let's go to winners yes. and losers of week one. Winner for you is, is who? Winner for me is going to be Tulane's uniforms. Fabulous. I'm picking that as my winner because those are the best uniforms in college football. Like, at me if you want with all of your, like, traditional things um, from each of the teams. But those are literally the best-looking um, uniforms I've seen in a very long time. I also heard a story that, like, basically the athletic director, when he got there, found a bunch of, like, old logos just, like, shoved away in a closet and then brought them back, and that's why this is, you know, taken off the angry wave or whatever. Um, I also love that Oklahoma put the the logo on their awesome. field as a tribute because the game obviously was supposed to be there, and um, Hurricane Ida had other plans. So that was a really sweet moment. So I would over, so overall say sportsmanship and the Tulane um, uniforms are my winners. I'm also going to go buy a home field shirt that has the angry wave on it now that I'm obsessed with them. Yeah, they've got a great look. Absolutely a fabulous look. So my my winners would be, I've got two, UCLA's okay. uh, social media team, um, yes. which took the Ed Orgeron Sissy Blue and ran with it for like three days and probably selling some good merch. Um, yep. What you say never dies. So just coaches, people on Twitter, it doesn't matter. And then my other one would be television networks. Like ratings are up. We talked about the metrics. People are reading our stuff at Bleacher Report. Like, but, but you looked at the television ratings. You looked at the interest. Um, I, I can't really explain this. COVID last year without fans, People's attentions were everywhere, and people's attentions are still all over the place, obviously, with everything going on. But football felt so back. The the product that we were served was very authentic and real. And while we still got a lot of shit we got to work through as a a world – the, the results showed, right? Like the, the you looked at the ratings, they were massive. And I don't really, you know, to me, I'm not like a huge ratings guy. I'm not getting my Ravel on normally. But, <laughs> but I, I am intrigued by why all of a sudden people are back. And I think ultimately when you talk about the NFL, I think it's just going to be a massive year for people like curling up to a very warm football game and embracing it. And I'm excited about that. I mean, this is no disrespect to these two programs, but the fact that the Notre Dame-Florida State game did as well as it did is huge because not to say that, like, they're not great programs, but recently it's definitely been different than in years past um, and definitely are, like, long-term great programs, obviously. Um, But it was a quality game, and that was the one that I saw going around the internet a lot. Um, On our end from Bleacher Report, people were so engaged in our content. Um, Not to – I mean, honestly, I think it's because last year we had, like, staggered starts and we didn't know who was going to be playing because of COVID things, and it was just – it was sort of a hot mess. And so I think collectively everyone was very, very excited to be back. Um, and I mean, what a fun first week, but we did oh. have some losers and do you want to start with your loser first yeah, and then I'll get it, to mine? It's near and dear to you. We talked about it. it's back 12, right? I, I could go with Clemson as a loser. Washington losing to Montana is hilariously bad. Okay. So bad. Washington state with all the nonsense about the coach, not getting the vaccine. And I mean, bad, bad collectively Arizona was one of the better stories and it lost by more than a touchdown. Right. I mean, we looked okay. We look, you looked okay. 
and looking okay was a highlight for a week. Cal, Nevada was bad. I mean, just go up and down the box scores. The Pac-12 to me, you know, you don't want to overreact. And I hate being like, hey, let's rank the conferences accordingly, guy. But you look at it and you start to play this thing out for a team like UCLA. Even Oregon struggled, by the way. USC was okay. It's fine. That happens. You start Stanford. To was oh ungodly God. bad. Thank you. Yes. Oh <laughs> my gosh. What the hell happened? That. What the hell happened to them? Like, Look, they, they, uh, I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say you maybe shouldn't have put out into the universe and to the football gods that you disagree with Nick Saban, but maybe, do, maybe that's something. You know, don't, just maybe don't come. Don't for the come king. Yeah, do not cover the king. I, uh, yeah. yeah, it was bad. It was bad for me. I know that's near and dear to you, but what what was your Losers for week one. So really quickly, I am going to tell you a story about the Arizona game. So I, um, my power went out in the middle of that game and I was obviously working. So I was like working on a hot spot and I was more focused on that or whatever, but that is sort of when things turned around offensively for us and we started scoring. And I was like, well, I can't turn it back on after like I had it on my phone when I was watching it before. And then I had to do stuff for work, obviously. And then they started scoring and I was like, I, I can't turn it back on. So all I did was sit and watch Twitter for that last like quarter. I I literally watched it on Twitter because I was like, I don't want to turn it on and jinx them because they're turning it around and I don't want this to be my fault. And I will Painful blame myself. Painful cover. Yeah. And so I I literally watched that. But I I the good part about it was is it was a positive step in the direction and I positive step in the right direction. There we go. It was. Words are hard sometimes. It it looked Like this, and I think sometimes with a lot of programs, I've said this before, like I hate that we don't give coaches time to like figure it out, create their program, create the culture they want. And this already seems like it's moving forward. And so that is what I will say as a takeaway. My loser for this week would be tackling um, because apparently everything is targeting and our sport is soft and we do need to change the targeting rule my personal preference on it would be first um, offense would be like 15-yard penalty. Second offense, if it's the same guy, ejected at that point. But there needs to be a better system than ejecting players. This has gotten bad, and it's also very, like, ticky-tacky in terms of, is that targeting? I mean, it's our favorite It's our favorite time of year when we tweet out, is that targeting? What is targeting? But what did you think of the tackling and the targeting calls? I think the rule is dog shit, um, first and foremost. And I'll go back. Please tell us how you really about, feel. About eight years. <laughs> when I'm sitting at Big Ten Media Days with Pat Fitzgerald, and he's talking about let's do yellow cards and red cards. And it soccer mm-hmm. does it, and it works great. Like yeah. you said, targeting one, targeting two. Think of it this way. We care more about protecting the punters in football. We have more nuance in roughing the punter versus running into the kicker than we do with these kinds of hits. Yeah. We're, we're already doing this with punting. Now, I think people on Twitter brought up a good point. I forget exactly where it emerged from. This is not to make the game. It's to make the game safer. It is. They want to make the game safer. It's to avoid lawsuits, right? Yeah. Like, that's kind of what we're doing. So yeah. I, I don't think it's going to get more, like, I don't think they're going to loosen up on this. Like, I think we're in it for the long haul. The problem is, I do think on the good side, I think they've gotten a lot of the quote unquote kill shots out of college football. Like the tackling is better. 
for the most part. Quite honestly, it is better. It's still an atrocity when you look at some of the ways, you know, people are putting their head down and everything else. But you've gotten a lot of the really, really dangerous hits out for the most part. You still see them. There's still the occasional hit on the weekend. Oh, my God, that's targeting. Goodbye. See you next week. But most of these are kind of questionable and incidental. And there's got to be a way to discourage those hits without tossing somebody out of a game. And I can't believe that's that deep and complicated to say, quite honestly. Yeah. Well, and I think more so in the college game than it would be in the professional game. Losing, like, certain guys changes an our defense completely. Like, it can take – or, I mean, it could be on either side. But it it changes the game for that program very easily in a a heartbeat. And it's a little bit more difficult to adjust, I think, um, around some of those guys. So I think that that also just makes it kind of frustrating on on that end. Um, But we should probably get into some week two action. We've recapped as much as we can. Um, What a crazy first week. But – we are naming our betting segment, and it's going to be called Picks and Pints. Yes. So in honor Sponsor of us. Kegs and Eggs being our beer connoisseur, this week's selection of beer is. Now, I didn't have a bush light on me, right? Because I know, I, know, <laughs> I know my Iowa folks Budweiser, for those that are not watching light. on YouTube. Sorry. Oh, God. Yes, that's right. We're, we're <laughs> mainly video. I'm just, I'm just holding it like a, like a, like a valuable trophy. <laughs> That's right. I have to say something on a podcast. It is a butt heavy. Uh, and it's also American to up with the red top, if you will, which yes. is nice. It's so, like the American flag one. That's what I drink on the 4th of July. I only yeah. drink beer on the 4th of July and at ballparks. And that is what I drink on 4th of July. Also, side note, I, I clearly should have had another one. We've been waiting to do this reveal. Normally, when I drink IPAs, it's like the bigger you know, 16 yeah, ounce, yeah. 12, 12, not we're, we're going to, I'm going to need a little mini cooler over here to, uh, to keep during the pods. So look, it's Iowa, Iowa state. It's El Asico. It's the Cyhawk. However you celebrate Iowa, Iowa state. This is a big ass game. And now, you know, Paige, I am an Iowa guy. Yes. Um, I am terrified of this rivalry. It's really odd. If you ask most people about football rivalries or cross college football, they'll say, Oh, I love it. I love playing this team, unless that team's Alabama. Most Iowa, Iowa State fans, or at least ones I talk to, like weird stuff happens. <laughs> There's genuine hate. It's the games are always like a, like last year. This game ended with like a muff punt. Iowa won because off of a muff punt. Like weird shit happens. It won't be cleanly played. But this is like the most important rivalry game. Of the series. And I'm really yeah. intrigued because Iowa looked fabulous against Indiana, even if the quarterback play was meh. And Iowa State, for the second year in a row, looked very meh in their opener. So I, I'm torn with this. I will be mm-hmm. – I've got to write on Saturday, and then I, but, but, and I'm hoping I can actually write about Iowa. Maybe we'll have an angle that's interesting enough where we can say, hey, this is what we're going to focus on. It doesn't usually happen. But I think it'll be cool to have people focus in on this – Rivalry that's got a lot of real local hatred and passion, and it's going to be high this week. I think I saw somewhere that this is the first time in this rivalry that both teams have been ranked in the top 25. Maybe it was top 15. It feels um, right. Normally, one's pretty good, the other's bad. Yes, and that doesn't yes. mean it doesn't mean anything because usually mm-hmm. it flips. But the fact that it's in Ames is a big deal. College game day is there, which is awesome. Actually, it could be nuts. Like it, it's going to be nuts. But there's some pretty good players. The running backs in this game are amazing in Goodson and Hall. Like, that's probably the most intriguing part for me. Yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be a perfectly imperfect game. I also think it's exciting for college football because I think a lot of 
our conversations when it comes to, you know, big games on the weekend is always the playoff and, you know, yes. who's like highest ranked teams playing against each other and all that. And we were spoiled last week. I think this game is more just exciting for the rivalry and not necessarily like about the playoff, because again, you have the Ohio state in that conference. So I do think that that's something that like, eh, okay, it really doesn't have playoff that big of playoff implications, but I will say, I'm excited to watch it, and I think it's going to be a fun time. I'm also looking forward to um, you tweeting from the Iowa police. I don't know what account you follow, but every Saturday I feel like you find something on Twitter that's about fans getting in trouble or doing something. Iowa police blotter, uh, Mm -hmm. like, it it basically just takes some of the crimes of Iowa City or just the police reports that are happening, and and it carries it forward. And a lot of them are like kind of sad, like deer hit by car limping across <laughs> highway. But some of them are very funny and we will find a funny one for game day. It's become my tradition Saturday morning. Find one that fits, retweet it and and get going here. Um, I'm pumped for this. I'm also pumped, obviously, for Ohio State, Oregon, as I'm sure you are as well. Now, what yes, do you think about that game? I'm going to ask for your lock on the Iowa, Iowa State game before okay. we move yes. on. Yes, that's right. Pints. Um, I like the over. Picks. Over 46 and a half. The, the really? line actually scares me as an Iowa fan. Um, four and a half. Iowa looked great. Iowa State didn't. I'm a little concerned about the um, about Iowa in this game. I don't have a good vibe for this. No, I never have a good vibe for this. But I think there's going to be, again, there's some, Iowa had some explosive plays. I think there's more offensive talent in this game than there usually is. I actually think we could get a really fun, exciting game. Over 46 and a half, which is where I, where I settled. I've been back and forth in the spread. All my friends have already texted me, Iowa plus four. Like, oh, this is, it's, I don't like that. When all my sucker buddies start texting me that they like Iowa, it's not usually a good sign. Yeah, um, I am going to agree with you because I also, we need to acknowledge the fact that my one pick against you from last week was Clemson, Georgia, and I lost. So I am 0-1 versus you. You are in the lead of this. I'm going to side with you on the over <clears throat> here for this game. The Oregon-Ohio State game. That is interesting. So you are taking Ohio State yes. minus 14 and a half. Yeah, I don't love that hook. Um, I just turned in my locks, by the way, and I've been tracking this game all week. I usually make my picks for this column Monday or Tuesday, and it, the lines move. And so I had I really liked Ohio State minus 13 and a half key numbers in football, right? It's pretty obvious. Mm-hmm. You go from six and a half to seven, the touchdown becomes a key number, three, three and a half, 14, 14 and a half. All of a sudden, two touchdowns doesn't get it done. So I don't love that, but I still like Ohio State. The Thibodeau injury, uh, Oregon had a bad week in terms of injuries too, not just Thibodeau, but that is a concern. If he plays, is it going to be 100% to me? I still really like Ohio State in this game, home field, a lot of things. It just sets up to me well that I think Ohio State's going to cruise. Yeah, I think this week they have the opportunity to redeem themselves and sort of like solidify themselves as like a, having a quality win, like a, and having a complete game. I think now that we've sort of gotten the rust off, this should be a solid game for them. I'm going to agree with you, and I will take the 14 and a half points. I, I mean, I really do think it's going to be, unfortunately for the Pac-12, 
a little bit of a blowout and I hate that. I hate it so much because I want them to be it for us, but maybe I'm putting all my eggs in the UCLA basket now to, to guide us somewhere. I don't know. Um, but there's no hope really. Um, no. But there's not. But yeah, I can pretend. Um, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm going to agree with you on this one. This is not the one that I'm going to disagree with you on. Next up, what do we got? Yes, I got, I'll give you a couple more. I'm going to, I'll throw a couple at you and you can decide which ones you want. I like, I already Kentucky. know which one that I'm going against you on. Okay, good. I, I like Kentucky minus five versus Missouri. We had a former uh, Penn State quarterback, Will Levis, that looked great in Kentucky's opener. I've talked to people that really like this team. I think they have an offense. Michigan minus seven versus Washington. This line opened up around one. So this thing has been cruising again. Another game I've been pissed off because I'm putting it ready in this column. Have to have lines locked in on Wednesday. It's not easy, Paige. I'm just saying this is a square play. I just got mad at my buddies for telling me to bet Iowa. Me betting Michigan is a square play. I don't care. I I think Michigan's actually good. I like Cade McNamara. By the way, J.J. McCarthy, the true freshman we saw in like one amazing throw. I think Michigan's in line to be really good. And the other one, and and I the more I think about it, the more I like Texas. Texas, Arkansas over 57. Arkansas got going late in the second half. Texas got going against Louisiana. I don't think we've talked about that Louisiana win enough. I, and by we, I mean everybody. That's a really good win. I think Arkansas can score. I think that game has a chance to be really fun. So those are kind of the – I've got other ones too, but they're the ones I feel pretty good about. So the one that I'm going to go against you on is the Michigan versus Washington game. I think that of is course. an absolute trap because I think, yes, Washington did lose to Montana – but again, I don't think this Washington team is terrible. I do think they can correct some of this. And I also just never trust Michigan. So that's my motto in life. I, I've told you guys my my betting theories here are, um, let's see, never bet against Tom Brady, never bet against Alabama, never bet against Adam Kramer now, and here we are. Um, and never trust Jim Harbaugh. And he's always going to do the safe thing, and so he'll he'll right. go for a field goal, and this is a whole touchdown. I don't know. I I sort of don't. Trust in in Harbaugh. I hate to say this the khakis is, this are not is doing not, it for me. This is not the first time I've picked Jim Harbaugh. Uh, it's not the last. I've lost quite a bit doing so. I just I just like the makeup of this team and Washington. That was really bad. Like it was. You got to get on the road and recover now. It's a tall order, but again, very square. Like very, very hands, hands raised. This is not a game I normally side. There's not a lot of like my contrarian plays on the board other than Troy, like Troy to win outright against Liberty, which is actually a sneaky fun game. But Whoa, there's the old, really? the old, Oh yeah. That game is now down to only four points. I'm telling you, Troy is another team that you talk to people that people, the team, like I think we're sleeping on Troy a little bit. I think they could have a really, really interesting showing. Oh, can I give one more really stupid game? Another hilarious one. Coastal Carolina minus 25 against Kansas. I don't know why I'm betting money on this game. I think Coastal Carolina is like a legitimately awesome team and program. And I think it's just, this is a wild point spread. A power five team, air quote, power five, getting 25 points against Coastal Carolina. What in the world? But I still like them. Uh, what are they? The fighting roosters, basically. The, like, yeah, that's, the Chanticleers. That's their, yeah. I mean, I, I just I prefer fighting roosters personally. It just sounds more badass. But yes, fighting I think it's roosters. a rooster. I think it's a rooster, not a chicken. I've probably pissed off every coastal fan if it's actually a chicken. But whatever it is. They're a very nice fan base. 
They were accepting of me when I was on their bandwagon last year. For now, they'll get mouthy and big time like UCF fans and just ruin everything for everybody. That's how this goes. We know the trajectory, right? Boise fans did the same thing. This is the blueprint for college football fandom, but we love you right now, Coastal Carolina fans, whatever your mascot is. <laughs> whatever your mascot is. Um, the team that I did want to ask you about, I think yes. the game is Penn State Ball State, and it's, I think it's minus 22 and a half for Penn State. I mean, I know it's Ball State, and I feel like I should obviously pick, take that, but it also scares me a little bit. I also looked at the, the USC and um, Stanford spread. Yes. My goodness. I mean, I think it's also close to, I think it's at least 15 points or something like that. Let me check. Let's see. What yeah, is it? Yes, it's 17 and a half. Not that I. I, I it's yes, 17 I, now. Wow. That went, that shifted. Um, And I, I feel like that's a trap as well um, because I so, don't. Trust that USC's offense can can score that much. I mean, um, Ball but, State lost one game last year. Yeah, like Ball Ball State beat a really good San Jose State team in a bowl game, like yep. soundly, soundly. Now that's why it, I was nervous about that choice. I stayed away from it because I was like, oh, I don't know, I can't. I would rather trust USC scoring on Stanford than I would Penn State scoring on offensive. Yeah. I mean, that's just an offensive thing, not like an overall team evaluation but i I think the only thing that's really intriguing for ball state is the hangover effect for penn state right and i almost i almost picked this as a lock penn state is going to be flat most likely after beating wisconsin now you play at penn state penn state might just be really good just feels like too many points though quite honestly that's a lot of points you know i'm talking about i may have to add this to locks like this might be a late minute add to locks of the week because i feel pretty good about it i like that idea and then usc I, i think stanford is trash I think USC was was rough. I think USC is going to unload on Stanford. I think this is a really good opportunity to just beat the hell out of a conference opponent. And I don't think Stanford can keep up. I, I, I've dabbled. That's a huge spread. I don't know what to do with that spread, but I don't really care. I think USC could be a monster in that game. Yeah, I, I think so too. I would trust them more to score a lot of points more so than I would trust um, Penn State to score a lot of points, but. Who knows? We will see. Um, That is it, I think, for this episode of No Punts Allowed with Paige and Kramer. Um, Guys, subscribe. Tell your friends. Follow us on social media. Um, Thank you for being patient with us and getting stuff up. I know a lot of people ask me about um, searching on Apple Podcasts and getting it on Google Podcasts. We are working. Definitely send us DMs if you're having any issues um, or anyone you know is. Obviously, if you're listening to this, you're probably not having issues, but... Help a friend out. Um, but yeah, Kramer, we're going to have a fun weekend. I think there's going to be a lot more chaos to come. Um, any any parting thoughts before we head into week two? It's It just feels very good to be. We have another week. It's not the best week of games that we will have, but yet it feels very normal. And just to echo what you said, the support is awesome from you guys. Rate, subscribe. I use the word spam. Spam your friends. Get people <laughs> Tell to your listen. Family. We are just getting started going to be a lot of fun i have to figure out what beer now to size up for the week uh week three i haven't done that yet so i will get on my horse here and figure out what we're going to do for the following week and it's uh a lot of fun i can't wait to do it again